Welcome to the Rich Coach Club, the podcast that teaches you how to build your dream coaching practice and how to significantly increase your income. If you're a coach and you're determined to start making more money, this show is for you. I'm Master Certified Life Coach Susan Hyatt, and I'm psyched for you to join me on this journey. You're listening to episode 22. Here we go. Are you a life coach with no life? (laughs) I know that might seem like a funny question, but I'm serious. There is nothing more depressing than a burnout life coach who hates her life. And I've met so many life coaches who complain to me that it's so hard to find clients and it's so hard to make money consistently. Well, if you're a life coach and you're struggling to get people to hire you, let's start by looking at your life. What's a typical day in your life? Does it feel stale and boring or inspiring? Is your life filled with pleasure, adventure? Are your days filled with beautiful moments and experiences? Or most days, are you basically sitting at home in your frumpy sweatpants, checking emails, stressing about the fact that you don't have enough clients and feeling lethargic and uninspired? If you're not enjoying your life, people can sense it. Even if you post the prettiest photos on Instagram, clients will intuitively sense that something is off. They won't be inspired to hire you. That's why if you work as a life coach, it's so important for you to actually have a life. You need to practice what you preach. You need to be a role model for your clients and lead by example. You need to build your own big, beautiful, inspiring life so that you can help other people do the same thing. That's what we're discussing on today's episode. As always, let's begin with your two-minute pep talk. Here's your two-minute pep talk for the week. This is the part of the show where I share some encouragement and inspiration to get your week started off right, and I try to keep things to 120 seconds or less. What does it mean to live a big, beautiful, inspiring life? What does it mean to you personally? For me, it means that my day is filled with beautiful moments, and these moments aren't necessarily flashy or fancy. In fact, they're usually not. They're usually very, very simple. Some of my favorite moments are that moment when I'm sitting with my favorite blue porcelain teacup and a book, or that moment when I'm jogging outside in the crisp air. That moment when I'm slipping into super silky PJs at the end of the day. Oh my God, I can't wait for that later. That moment when I'm riding in the back of an Uber or Lyft car and I look up from my phone, look out the window and admire all the twinkly holiday lights. Those are just a few of the little sweet, beautiful moments that make my life feel rich. What about you? What are some beautiful moments and rich moments that you would love to experience during your day. For example, I have a client who hired me years ago for weight loss, and one of the simple things that we did to create presence at mealtime for her was I encouraged her to get on Etsy and order a cute cloth napkin, and she even takes a cloth napkin now with her on plane rides to remind her to be in the present moment, to really use all her senses while she's eating, And it has completely transformed her life, not just her body, but bringing presence into everyday moments by just having a little $5 napkin. 
When your day is filled with beautiful moments, then your life begins to feel different. You feel more inspired, more grateful, more alive. So if your life has been feeling stressful, stale, or boring lately, you probably don't need to go out and buy a bright red Lamborghini. You probably just need to make space in your day for little moments of beauty. Start there. So I want to encourage you to write down three beautiful moments that you would love to experience during your day. Write them down and then go create those moments. Create what you crave. Now we're moving into the part of the show where I give shout outs to you. Shout outs to listeners, clients, all the wonderful people in my business community who make this gig so much better. Today, I want to give a shout out to Mary. So Mary left me a five-star review on iTunes, and she says, Susan Hyatt is the real deal. Her podcast is jam-packed with great insights, inspiration, and information. If you're serious about moving forward, subscribe and join me over in Susan Hyatt's Rich Coach Club on Facebook. I'm so grateful for all the value Susan adds to my life and business on a regular basis through her free offerings. Susan's work is absolutely first class. I can't say enough about her generosity of spirit, her infectious marketing, and how grateful I am to call her my coach. Thank you so much, Mary. That absolutely made my day. And hey, if you have something to say about this show, please send an email to my team or post a five-star iTunes review about the show or post something on social media and tag me, and you might hear your name on a future episode. I love giving shout outs to folks in my community. So holla at me. Thank you so much for the love. I love you right back. It's time for an interview. And today I'm chatting with Amy Love. Amy is definitely a woman who is living a big, beautiful and inspiring life. She's not sitting at home creating a permanent dent in the couch. She's out there and she is living. Amy has the most fascinating story. She became a doula at age 18. She spent four years, the past four years, traveling and working all around the world. She used to run a farm in New Hampshire. She also owned a spa. I have so many questions for Amy. I'm so curious to ask about Amy's current coaching practice, what she specializes in, how she finds clients, and more. So let's talk to Miss Amy Love. Welcome to the podcast, Amy Love. Hello. So happy to be here. I'm so excited to have you here because we were chatting in Savannah. I was so lucky to meet up with Amy while I was running an event. And she, of course, is location independent right now. So she can bop around anywhere. And we were having an amazing coffee. And I got the idea to invite Amy onto this podcast because she represents so many amazing things that I think many entrepreneurs are super curious about, one of which is having a location-independent lifestyle. And also, Amy is a great example of something that's near and dear to my heart, which is being a multi-passionate human being. And I think often on these internet streets, we're taught like focus, focus, focus on one thing, one thing, one thing, which is true. And also many of us are multi-passionate. So Amy, talk to us about, let's go back. Let's go way back. You're from Texas. I am from Dallas. Yes. Dallas, 
Texas and a fellow Southerner. So you started your entrepreneurship journey doing what? I started super young. So I always sort of had that spirit. It was like a family joke of like selling the Girl Scout cookies and my dad was in sales. So it was like, not do you want boxes? It's how many boxes do you want? Um, (laughs) Oh my God, you guys write that down. (laughs) That's already a gold tip. Like you go into it with the assumption, like you're buying from me. Oh, you're buying and you're buying a lot, you know, and I was top sales like every year it worked like gangbusters. It was so funny. So it was always kind of obvious that I was going to do my own thing. You know, in school, I was the one that got like the marks, like controls talking, doesn't follow directions. And now like I get paid for that. So it's amazing. (laughs) Same. That was always my conduct report. Right. Yes. Yeah. So they kind of knew, but I actually had a lot of health challenges as a child. And when I was around uh, 11 to 13, I had migraines every day for two years and it was horrific. And, you know, hospitalizations, all that didn't work. And it was finally an herb called Feverfew that worked for me. And just the fact that this was like outside the realm of anything I was raised with, like it shook me awake. And so I started like doing a lot of exploration into alternative medicine, you know, like how things can be different than we expect. Um, I was exposed to a lot of thought leaders like Louise Hay and Marianne Williamson and Wayne Dyer. And I started seeing like, okay, I can take ownership of my life and I can question everything I've been taught. So I was actually on a pre-med path at that point and shifted gears to go into massage therapy and started my own spa at 18. What? Um, Wait, you started your own spa at 18 years old. I did. In fact, I had to wait. I started it really at 17, but I couldn't get my lease yet. They wouldn't let me sign. (laughs) Oh, my God. My husband, who's a commercial realtor, like, I can't wait to tell him this part of this story that, like, you had to wait to sign your lease. I so did. Yeah. And it was really soon after I signed. I'm like, let's go. So I did that. And I did that for a few years and loved it. I was a, a... birth doula. I helped women, you know, at 18 years old, I'm helping bring new life into the world. Wait, it was, wait, wait a minute. So you're running a spa at 18 years old. And oh, by the way, you were also a birthing doula. Yes, I was. Wait. Yeah. So (laughs) tell me at 18 years old, what was your drive, desire, motivation for being a doula? Because most 18-year-old girls I know, like, that is the last thing they would want to get involved in. (laughs) Oh, my God. Well, I had been in childcare from the time I was, like, 10. Like, I started babysitting, you know, as soon as my mom would let me take the, like, American Red Cross certified babysitting course, I took it. I printed up business cards. I was going around to neighbors, like, hi, I'm Amy. I'm 10, and I can babysit, and I'm certified. You know, like, all this. We have a family friend that tells the story to this day and her son's now in the military. And like, I used to babysit him when he was tiny. So I was already in that like mindset. And I, I worked at the nursery at the church and I had worked at different childcare centers and I just loved everything about babies. And as a massage therapist, I started doing prenatal massage and helping moms. And I saw all the things that they needed. And then just like being with women in that connection, in that space, I had done rounds at the hospital as part of my like pre-med path. And 
like got to witness the birth. Like we got to assist in surgery. We got to do all this cool stuff, but I got to witness the birth and it was like the most life-changing thing. I thought there was no person and now there's a person like this is amazing. So I wondered how to be involved with that. And so I took like the Bradley method class, you know, I'm 18 and I'm in there with all these other (laughs) couples. It's so funny, but you know, I would, I like started assisting in birth and doing the the massage portion for moms. And then it was just like a natural progression. So I got certified through Dona and started doing doula work. And it was amazing. It was just very, very demanding because you are on call 24 hours a day, you know, two weeks on either side of a due date. And when you leave, you don't know how long you're going to be gone. So it was really hard to like do everything that I wanted to do and be there in the way I wanted to be there for the moms. That is just unbelievable that at such a young age, you had such a sense of being organized and showing up and being devoted to what you said that you wanted to do. I mean, this is fantastic. So, all right. So we already have spot owner. We already have doula. Yes. Then there's more. Uh, I know because I've heard so this. Much more. Yeah, there's so much more. I did the spa. I, you know, I had my own. And then when I moved just across town, just to another town within Texas, I did work at other spas, like a hotel spa. And I was a wellness manager at Nordstrom and like work with global brands to do events. And that was a blast. I really enjoyed that. And then I kind of like couldn't handle doing all the physical work anymore. I had, again, those health challenges. So I had fibromyalgia and chronic fatigue and all kinds of stuff going on. So I could not keep doing massage at the level I needed to bring in the income I needed to bring in. So I decided to go back to school. Um, I was on a business path. I got a part-time job at a small corporation as a receptionist and very quickly moved into an office manager role. And then I noticed that these leads were being thrown away by the salespeople. Part of my job was to print out the leads, hand them to the salespeople. And I literally watched them throw them in the trash because they came from the website. And this was like in 2000, I'm going to say 2000, 2001. And they didn't believe that anybody would ever buy anything online. I mean, it wow, <laughs> kind of mind blowing now. Yeah. But I literally watched them throw this away. So I went to the, the owner of the company and I said, if you will teach me how to sell, I will take these leads and work them because I really believe that there's potential here. So within about a year's time frame, I was a multi-million dollar sales producer for that company. I moved into head of sales and marketing, took the entire corporation global and sold buildings all over the world. Oh my God. Okay. So let's talk about this for a second. So why do you think, let's break this down for people listening who have a hard time with sales. Why do you think you went from zero to top of the company? So I knew, I knew that there was such a possibility there. I believed in the product a hundred percent. I knew that we were selling a really top quality product. This was in the equestrian. This is really funny. I sold horse barns and metal buildings. I was 21, I think. And I had plum and fuchsia hair and a tongue ring. And I was selling to all these you know, guys in boots and jeans that totally did not take me seriously. And my name was Amy Love, which they didn't think was my real name. They thought it was my <laughs> my stage name or something. 
But I just didn't take that. I was just like, no, like you're dealing with me. You know, I would get a lot of that, especially like in small town Texas, I would get a lot of like, who's the boss and, you know, let me talk to the man and all. And I would just like, you're dealing with me. Like, here I am. If you want it, I got it. So I just really believed in the product and I just sold the heck out of it. I just knew it was possible. And I had already seen what being online could do. I knew that, the, that we were going that direction as, you know, as a country and an industry. And I thought they are missing out so much. It was just like a little local thing. And I just saw these people throwing potential away. And some of these customers would email two or three times, you know, Oh, I need a quote on this. I need a quote on that. And like they're sitting in the garbage. Wow. So, okay. So I want to back up a little bit. So here you are, pink and fuchsia hair, nose ring. Did you say nose ring? Tongue ring. Tongue ring. Tongue yeah. ring. Tongue ring. Multiple colored hair. Yeah. Like 21. 21- I mean, it was tastefully done. The hair was tastefully done. But yes, it was bold and bright. Yeah. Right. And, oh, right. Mm-hmm. Obviously not the Mm-mm. stereotypical barn saleswoman no. uh, or person in this very patriarchal industry very. selling the crap out of it. And the reason why is because you knew it was an amazing product that would help these people. And you also knew they were missing out in the online arena. Yeah, they didn't even have a way for somebody to request a quote online. Somebody had to literally, it was a really, really basic, crappy website. And it didn't have a an online brochure. It didn't show colors. It had like two really old pictures of a barn that had been done like a, it was like a Polaroid that had been scanned in. And I'm like, oh no, 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 no. So I built the entire new website. I hired an industry professional and we worked together to build like an online color picker. We revolutionized the entire advertising campaign. We put up billboards. We were in all sorts of magazines. We went to conventions all of these things. And it, and it literally took the company global. I mean, I had a barn nearly in every state. We shipped out to Hawaii. I sold barns to Jamaica. Wow. We had a, yeah, it was crazy. You know, okay. So here you are at 18, you had a spa and you were a birthing doula. At 21, you're the top of this barn sales company. And then when did you get the twinkle or nudge or make the decision to do what was next? So I was actually really stressed out because, again, I built this to such a a large following and, and we didn't really have the support. The company ownership really wasn't willing to hire more people or... You know, I was doing so many roles and I thought, you know, I am really getting this tug to go back into the healing field. And I was getting married and I was moving across town. I had a home. My husband to be already had a home. So I was commuting a lot. I thought this is just not like this isn't what I want to do forever. This has been great. This has been fun. This has been a challenge, but this isn't what I want to do forever. So I knew I wanted to get back in sort of the spa world, but I didn't want to be doing the hands on massage and doing eight massages a day. So I actually came up with the idea to do a spa party company where we would 
I would have a group of massage therapists and estheticians and nail technicians that worked for me. And we would go on site to somebody's home or lake house or event center. And we would put on a spa party and do everything on location because I had already done, you know, massage at people's houses. I'd done corporate chair massage for like Baylor and Fujitsu and these kind of companies that bring it in. So I thought, let's just take it to the next level. And we did because within three months, it was a multi-six-figure company. We got national media attention. What? We, we were named Stop best. It. Of it. <laughs> it's crazy. We were named best of spas by Bride TV, and I was on NBC within three months. And wait, I had stop, stop. So much goodness. Okay. So here's what I love about this story: is that she took something that wasn't working but that she loved and decided how to change the way it was delivered, right? So massage was being delivered in a new way. So, so often coaches will say like, well, I hate one-on-one -on -one coaching or that retreat sucks. So I'm never doing retreats again. But really, if you love coaching, you love the art of coaching, you can present it in so many new and different creative ways, right? And so that's exactly what you did. Now, within three months getting national news attention, how did that happen? How did that happen? <laughs> um, <laughs> I think that I'd sent out a press release. I did contact like my local like D magazine, D bridal. We did a bridal convention and Dallas bridal convention is enormous. At least it was at that point. I don't know what it is today. I imagine it's still very big. And so we had only been in business that short time, but I had my staff come in. We just formed a line across the top of the, the booth. Like we had a booth at the convention and just within two days, we handed out over 10,000 flyers, business cards. I mean, we were just talking to people, talking to people, talking to people. And I booked a lot of work from that. And I think like it just got out from there. I can't wow. actually remember any specific like spark that did it, but it was all of a sudden like Lucky Magazine and Daily Candy and like all these, you know, Home and Garden, all these things were coming in. And I'm just like, oh, wow, this is great. This is amazing. Oh my gosh. Okay. So then what's next, Miss Multipassionate? <laughs> That's the deal. Multipassionate, right? But I focused on each of these things for, you know, two to four or more years at a time. So right. it wasn't like, you all know, at once. it's not all, all at, at once. once. Right. No, that's too much. So again, I was having health challenges. This is such a recurring theme. And then I would get to a certain point, get to burnout, get, you know, have an adrenal collapse. I was having lots of issues and pregnancy loss and all kinds of things. So I got to the point where I was like, I just literally can't keep doing all of these events. I did a, a 4,000 person event the weekend before my wedding, which I planned all myself. It was just insane. And so I thought, you know, I can't just keep doing this. And we, found out about, you know, real, real food. Like I got some food allergy testing back. I had to make a lot of dietary and lifestyle changes. And I really started going more into nutritional therapy. And so I went and got all of my certification for nutritional therapy through the Nutritional Therapy Association. And my husband loved the training so much that I did. He actually did it the year after I did. He was, I'm so lucky. He was so on board, so supportive, really wanted to be involved in my business. He comes from a software background. So that was not his milieu at all, but he did it. And so 
I was a group leader in his class and we knew right from the start of that business, we had had so much success with online business before. And I had even done some consulting at that point for other people in the Dallas area that we knew we were going to be moving. We were going to move from Dallas to Connecticut to finish our training. I knew that we wouldn't be there forever. And I thought, okay, this has to be online. This has to be location independent. I can't have a brick and mortar again because I'm not going to build up a local community and then move. And so we just from the get-go set it up that way. And so I started my practice, my nutritional therapy practice online, working with clients via phone and internet. And then as an answer to my clients' requests, they always wanted a recipe or they wanted a how-to. I started a blog. And at the time, I didn't know anything about blogging. I didn't know there was any potential in it. It really was just to help my, my clients. But it took off like gangbusters and really grew a following of its own. And we just, we were on Facebook. We were, you know, all these things. And it grew to over 200,000. Wow. Um, yeah, really, really quickly, like in two years. And then we just started incorporating more into the blog. So that took on a life of its own. I still had the practice. We were living in Connecticut. Can I back yes. up for just a second? So yes. I love the fact that you decided once again to follow the breadcrumbs and say like, okay, I'm not going to have a brick and mortar anymore because we're doing this training in Connecticut. It makes sense. And deciding, becoming location independent was a decision born from the way your business was evolving. It wasn't- In our life. Yeah, right. Yeah. And so one thing that I really admire listening to all the different stories and the different reinventions is that they all happened as a result of you paying attention to what lights you up, what people were asking for, and you noticed a gap in what was being offered and what you could deliver. Right. Yes, absolutely. And everything's sort of built on the next thing because, you know, I still, even to this day, use a lot of the things I learned running a spa, not just the business, but literally like the energy work and like, you know, holistic methodology, like to how I work with my clients. Right. So it all builds on each other. So we were living in Connecticut and our time there was sort of up and we had this big open-ended question, like, what could we do? And at that point we sort of said, well, like we can work from home, like home could be anywhere. You know, we just had this almost endless options of, of where we could move or what we could do. So naturally we decided to, <laughs> to move to the seacoast of New Hampshire and start a farm because why not? Okay. This I love so much because let me tell you something, Amy, love. There are many cheesy things about me. And one of the cheesiest things, secrets, is that even though they're completely patriarchal, I watch Hallmark holiday movies like <laughs> they are going out of style. I know the formula. I argue with the storyline and I still watch them. <laughs> and one, I was telling my husband last night as he was grumbling about you know, the second Hallmark movie of the night, I was like, holy crap, Amy Love moving to New Hampshire for this Christmas tree farm is a, is a Hallmark movie plot line. But let's talk about it. <laughs> oh, my God, that is hysterical. I love it so much. Yeah. If you look at me, you don't say, well, now there's a farmer. You know, you just don't. Um, <laughs> and 
Matt and I, my husband, we had never had more than, you know, dogs, a fish, a hermit crab. You know, we didn't know. It started with, well, let's move. We want to be more self-sufficient. You know, we're nutritional therapists. We're really into real food. And we're looking for a certain quality of product that it's very hard to find. We wanted organic, soy-free, pasture-raised, heritage breed, you know, all these boxes to check. And it was really hard to find that at this time. This would have been in like, oh gosh, when was this? 2011, I think. And it was just, it was not as mainstream yet. And so we thought, okay, well, we can do this. We're going to move to the country. And I had read all these books and taken all these classes. And, you know, it all made it seem like pretty easy and straightforward. I knew it was going to be a lot of work, but man, I did not know. So we thought we would just have chickens, right? And we're like, oh, great, backyard eggs. This will be wonderful. And then maybe we'll have a few extra for meat birds. And then, well, if you're going to have chickens, it's not that much harder to have ducks. And then we should probably have a goat or two or three or four so that we can milk them. And then, well, if you're going to have all that, we might as well have rabbits and pigs. So anyway, we ended up with over 200 animals within two years. Oh, my God. Yeah. Uh-huh. And it was just my husband and I in the middle of the woods in New Hampshire and running my practice full time, still doing the blog. He was doing software development full time from home. Like all this stuff was going on. And then we had the farm too. And the the house that we bought, the property that we bought was not actually set up to be a farm. It was a beautiful home. And so we had to build barns and put in fencing. And we had goats living in our basement for a time because of all the coyotes. Um, (laughs) This is like, this is an example of, this reminds me of quick starts, which I am. And it's like, well, how hard could that be? I'll just build a (laughs) farm. And now you got goats in your basement. Oh, yeah. And we went through hurricanes and blizzards. We had an earthquake. Like, who knew New Hampshire would be so exciting? And, um, (laughs) you know, one thing about New Hampshire is that it snows a lot. And so we had to dig the animals out, like paths to their houses, paths for them to get out and run around in free range in the snow. And you'd get two feet overnight, three feet the next day. And it's like, Oh my gosh, like hours and hours of digging, digging, digging snow. It was intense. Again, we didn't know anything about this before we started going down the path. So again, like reading books, taking classes, I connected with people in the community as soon as I got there through meetup. I started going to events to learn more about what I didn't know because we wanted to do it right. I mean, you you have 200 lives depending on you. So this is not something that you can take lightly. It wasn't just, oh, well, we got these animals and we're totally irresponsible about it. It was, we are doing everything the right way. We're breeding. We're doing everything like following bloodline. All these things that I had no idea even existed. Wow. Amazing. And so then after doing this for how many years? Three years. Three years you did this. And then when did you get the idea that you wanted to make another shift? Well, we had actually, we lost a pregnancy and it was like a shatter through the middle of our lives because we had done all this work to build up our nest and I had done all this work on healing and then to have that devastating loss just rocked me. So I actually had to, I said, okay, 
like, I mean, immediately, like, that is it. This is over, you know, because while I was pregnant, Matt was like doing the farm chores by himself. I was being so careful, like, God forbid I get kicked by a goat or something like I had to stay in. And every day he was getting more and more miserable doing all the chores. It was just too much. And I thought, this is not sustainable. This is not what we, you know, this is not it. And so we downsized the farm, like we, we sold the animals and took a winter away. And we had a house sitter come and stay at the house, but there weren't any animals there. We, of course, took our dogs with us, did a winter away, went back to Texas, did some road trips from there just to kind of come back to center and heal a bit and just realign. Because I feel like it's kind of like, and I see this in my clients a lot that, you know, when they go through this huge transition and say that they do have children or something, those first like three years, you lose yourself. And it's the same thing when you're dealing with 200 animals, you lose yourself. So, you know, I remember crying at the salon, like getting my hair done, like, oh my God, there I am. Like, where oh, have I been? You where know? Where have you been? Right? Yeah. All so right. much. So, so you, much. You were like, this isn't it. No, this we isn't it. We need to heal it's- some. And then yeah. through the process, this is what I like is that you took time to really grieve and to pay attention enough to see yourself at the salon and to hear your next calling, which was what? Well, I actually read a book. It was just this weird little ebook. I don't even know how I found it. And it was about this couple that lived in a van. And I thought, wow, like that sounds hard and also amazing. And I just happened to say to Matt, what if we did that? What if we like sold everything? You know, we can work from anywhere. What if we just sold everything downsized and did that? And he's like, you in a van, this is, this is what you want. And, um, I'm like, well, you know, maybe not. So we went and drove like sprinter vans and tried to like, I'm like, well, there's the bedroom. Oh, well, that's like it. (laughs) There's no kitchen. There's no bathroom. Like that's not going to work for me. We actually ended up with kind of the biggest tour bus that you can get. But we we decided, okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to go back to New Hampshire. We're going to downsize everything, you know, from 3,000 square feet to what we were going to live in was 400 square feet. And we're going to get this tour bus. And it's going to be a two-year plan because we knew we wanted to travel, but we had our three dogs and it was not going to work for us to be, you know, flying to Europe with the dogs and trying to find an Airbnb or whatever. We thought, okay, we're going to do, our dogs were older. We're going to do a West Coast year and an East Coast year, see the things that we want to see. We've set up our business so that we can work from the road. So let's do this. Let's meet our community in person. Let's do this real food road trip. Um, We'll write about all of the, you know, farmers markets and restaurants and all the cool things to see in the different cities. And we'll do this for two years. Well, we're still doing it four years later. (laughs) We've done West Coast, East Coast, West Coast, East Coast. Um, We've gone to all 50 states except for the Dakotas. And it's not on purpose. We keep trying to plan the Dakotas. And like, it's funny. Now it's a joke that every time we plan the Dakotas, something comes up. We lost our dogs at the end of last year and we started doing more international travel. So that's kind of where we are right now with the travel is that it's been, it's been four years in this tour bus and we've done Canada. And I mean, it's just, I'm in Miami right now. It's unbelievable to me because I love that So many of us have so many different sides to ourselves, and we talk ourselves out of having so many experiences and trying different things. And one of the things I love about you, it's like, okay, so you went from, 
a farm of 200 animals to being in a Mercedes Sprinter and going to 50 of the 52 states and now going international. It's just, I am just in love with this because (laughs) for those of you listening, how many of you, me included, it's like, oh, well, I couldn't do that. Or, oh, we, we tend to get into this black and white thinking where if we do it, it's forever. Right. Right. And it's like you own the farm for three years. You have been location independent for four years, you know, and whatever's going to happen next, it doesn't have to be forever and ever. Yes. And I do want to say I'm not in a sprinter van. I'm in a huge 43 foot tour bus with a bath and a half with all my stuff. Like I could not do oh, the van. That's right. I'm the, not that the sprinter cool. van was a no go. <laughs> yeah, I'm not that's that right. cool. I'm not that cool. I actually thought about what, as we were touring things, I thought, what do I want? on my worst day, right? When I'm sick, I have the flu, when I've got cramps, when I just like had it with the world, what do I want on my worst day? And I did not want to be in a tiny cramped in space with two or three dogs and my husband and everything, you know, like I needed room. I need my king size bed. I need my laundry with me. I cook everything from scratch. So it's like, I need my kitchen. And that is how I've been able to make it work because we have all of our stuff with us. And it doesn't even feel like we're in a big motor home. It feels like we're at home because when you go from place to place, you know, you go to a resort, you get set up and then that is home and we tow our car. So we just go do exploration like we would normally do. But then we come home and home is always the same. So it's the same bed every night and all of those things. And that was really helpful for me because trying to think about adding in all the other variabilities of, okay, you're going to have a new bed and a new shower and you've got to pack like your wardrobe every time and all your equipment and everything else. I thought I can't leap into that just yet. Like I couldn't make that mental leap. What I could do was say, all right, this solves these problems. And then now I just have to worry about like mapping out my route and exploring different things in different cities. And this is interesting to me because it's also a different way to do the location independent lifestyle. So for those of you listening who maybe have felt like looking at guys with their backpacks, you know, sleeping in the airport and whatever, you know, they're the Tim Ferriss model of you know, having a backpack and shipping a trunk ahead of you to where you're going and that's it. Or the expensive, more expensive, I think, version of like Airbnb it everywhere you go. Like this is a really interesting option where you can have a giant motorhome decked out exactly the way that you want it, which, oh, my God, if my husband listens to this episode, I should like (laughs) somehow block him from ever listening to this interview because this is what he would love to do. (laughs) Yeah, you'll be in trouble. (laughs) I'll be in big trouble. No, it's really fun. It's just I, I totally, totally agree. Like I am I am not a camper. I am not an RV person. I don't want to do that. It is literally it was the way for us to go to the different places and do the travel that we wanted to do. But like I said, have our same creature comforts at the same time, because we totally looked at the Airbnb model. And I and I love that we we still incorporate that a lot, especially now that we don't have our dogs, because we'll be like, oh, well, we're, you know, like when we were in Charleston and we were going to come see you in Savannah. So we just did this like little Airbnb for a weekend and it's fabulous. But to do that all the time and just be dependent on other people 
for where you're going to stay. And then you don't know what you're getting until you get there. Right. We had heard some kind of horror stories and I thought, well, let's start with this and then see where we go. Cause remember we were only two years and then it was like, okay, well we've done it for two. Let's, let's keep going. And then we've done it for four and it's like, okay, let's keep going. And now we're sort of reevaluating like, okay, we want to do more international travel. So we are looking at more of an Airbnb model. We're looking at, you know, maybe getting like a home base somewhere in Europe and then, you know, branching out from there. There's so many options. Well, see, this is what I love about having you on the show is that your story is all about that, that you can ask questions, follow your heart, and there are options. And it may not look like how everybody else is doing it, but you can create what you want. And I love the question that you asked yourself when you told me this in person, when you asked yourself, like, what do I need on my worst day? I think that that is such a powerful question that all of us, whether you're working from a home office or you're going into a cubicle in a skyscraper or you want to be location independent, is really thinking about your decisions and thinking about, okay, how can I curate things so that I have what I need on my worst day? Because we're all going to have those. Always. Yeah. And it's really, really important to make sure that you have that support. I mean, for me, that's what keeps... That's what keeps me going when things get tough. It's like I have that soft place to land, like whatever that may be. And sometimes that's as simple as my relationship with my husband is my soft place to land. So it's like I just need that to support like my springboard to the next thing. Because when you're living in possibility, when you're taking these huge steps, right, you still have to make sure like – am I okay? Am I being true to myself? Am I doing self-care? Am I, you know, it's really, really important to evaluate that so that you have a strong foundation from which to take the big leap. So what's, as we uh, wrap this up, Amy, I could talk to you all day. We so Uh, could. I know. We have time. We have time outside of the podcast, which is good. What is your next big leap? What do you see for yourself in 2019? Well, I've absolutely gone back to, you know, working with women entrepreneurs to build the life and business of their dreams. So, you know, this is something that I've done on and off for 15 years. And then for the past nine years with my business, Real Food, Old Health, the nutrition practice, I worked with women who were in the health sphere and wanted to build their business online that wanted to sort of dwell in that possibility space and see like, you know, what exactly can I do? You know, I have this plan of being a health coach and and what does that look like on a bigger scale? I want an empire. I want, you know, to do all of these things, but without losing my mind at the same time. So I have actually broken that part of the business off from Real Food Whole Health, and it is now called The Lovely Revolution. And my mission with this is to help women bring the lovely back, like move over Timberlake, right? We're bringing lovely back. <laughs> So it's like, yes, we are bringing lovely back because so many women, I would see this time and time again, that they would get so into their business. Like you didn't start your business to end up hating your job, right? They would get so into their business that it went from being like a nine to five to a 24, seven, 365. And they did not have a life and they were miserable. And they're like, I'm burned out. I don't know why I'm doing this. I'm completely disconnected from why I started my business in the first place. And I saw this time and time again, and not just with women in the health sphere, with every you know woman entrepreneur, with probably every entrepreneur, but women especially, I feel like we need more of that beauty, that pleasure, that connection. And we did not have that. 
Yes. Yeah. 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 So that's really been my goal and that's really what I'm expanding. So, you know, I've done the podcast like with Real Food All Health. We're switching it over to Lovely Revolution. We're taking this more as a lifestyle business because we're going to not only talk about business and life, it's going to be what goes into that? What really is the lovely, where did it go and how are we bringing it back? So what does that look like through exploring a full sensory experience in the world through food, through style, through self-care, through relationships? We're doing in-person events. I've already been doing dinners as we go to different cities. I've been doing that for a couple of years, but we're starting to do more retreats. I just think the time is so ripe for women to come together in person. Like we've all done this cool thing online, but we're behind our screens all the time and we're just super disconnected. So how do we come together as a community, support each other, kind of fill up our cups and then go back to our empires and and make change in the world and leave a legacy? Mm, I am with you on this. More getting out from behind the screen and connecting with people in actual real life. So, yes. Thank you so much. Thank for... you. This has been fun. I forgot some of this stuff. I <laughs> mean, my, my God, life. there's a memoir <laughs> in the making here. This, this could be several Hallmark movies. <laughs> <laughs> and I want to thank you for your time today. You guys check Amy out. We've got all the links below about how you can be part of the lovely revolution, too. Thank you. You probably have a to-do list, but do you have a to-live list? All right. I want to encourage you to make a list of moments, memories, experiences that you want to have in the next month. Things to experience, not just things to do. So for instance, have breakfast outside in the sun, make grandma's famous pasta sauce, wander through a bookstore, swim in the ocean, live life. Keep this list somewhere visible, maybe on your fridge or your vision board. It's awesome to blast out invoices. Hey, I love to get paid and reply to emails and lead webinars and work diligently on your business. But listen, also don't forget to live. Thank you for listening to today's episode. This week, I want you to go live. Create beautiful moments for yourself and make some memories. Turn off the damn phone, look up from the screen, and experience the world. Design a big, beautiful, inspiring life for yourself. And when you're leading an inspiring life, then clients feel so inspired to work with you. All right, thank you so much for listening to Susan Hyatt's Rich Coach Club. If you enjoyed today's show, please head over to shyatt.com forward slash rich, where you'll find a free worksheet with audio called three things you can do right now to get more clients. You can download the worksheet and the audio, print it out. There's a fun checklist for you to check off. Just three things to do. Check, check, checkity check. This worksheet makes finding clients feel so much simpler and not so scary. So head to shyatt.com forward slash rich to get that worksheet. Over there, you're also going to find a free Facebook group you can join, especially for coaches. Bring your coaching practice and your income to the next level at shyatt.com. That's S-H-Y-A-T-T.com. See you next week.